some of the most difficult two weeks of my life, actually, adult life. Many of you know my dad had a massive heart attack just under two weeks ago. In fact, he was here on the Sunday, and then on the Tuesday he had a heart attack. And uh, his heart stopped seven times during the surgery of putting the stent in. So I've been down in KZ with my mom uh, and going in every day to Peter Maritzburg to see my dad. He's currently stable, he's on a ventilator, uh, he's sedated, um, and his lung condition is improving. And so we are um, trusting that uh, that'll continue. Um, the doctors aren't yet sure how much damage his heart has sustained, so that'll take time still to figure out. Um, but at the moment, there's no medication supporting his heart, and it seems to be doing what it should be doing, which is a really positive sign. So I've been amazed how much the human heart can swing uh, and feel in times like these. Um, deep feelings of love and fond memories of my dad as I was driving down to KZN um, two weeks ago. Uh, and then suddenly thinking, well, what happens if he does die? What does that mean for my mom and all those implications? You have these thoughts that go through your head and your heart. My siblings, all my siblings are overseas. What are they going through not being able to be close to my dad and my mom at this time? And then going in and seeing my dad, lying there helpless, all these tubes and machines beeping, etc., and just realizing how helpless I am in this situation. At times, kind of praying with such faith, singing worship songs with great expectancy of God breaking through. Other times, just feeling numb, not even able to pray. Sometimes feeling resigned. Well, if it's, you know, if it's God's will, it's God's will. Other times, feeling so convinced that it might be my prayers, the difference between his life and death. Having all these emotions going through your heart, Hour after hour, I'm sure many of you have been through things like that. It's, uh, it's life. <laughs> it's life. And thank you to all of you who have prayed and messaged and supported. We are really so grateful for all of your support at this time. And uh, you might be asking, why are you here? <laughs> your dad's still in the hospital. My sister arrives from Australia today, and she's going to be with my mom all of this week. So, uh, I came to see my wife and kids <laughs> and you guys. But here we are, week four of this amazing series called Gifted. We've looked at three gifts so far, the gift of prophecy, the gift of mercy, the gift of service. And now today we look at the gift of teaching and the gift of encouragement. Now, we should all be able to use all of the gifts. And no matter where these two gifts lie on your kind of spectrum, we should all be doing something to maximize them. Amen? We're all called to use them. So teaching and encouragement this morning. Romans 12, verses 6. We should almost be able to quote it by now. We have different gifts, Paul says, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Just out of interest, how many of you had either teaching or, um, what's the other one? 
encouragement in the top three. If you did that kind of online questionnaire, teaching or encouragement in your top three? Whole bunch of you. That's great. Cool. So one of the teaching was in my top three too. So I want to take a similar kind of approach to last week, looking at three kind of points. Firstly, what are these gifts? Teaching, here's a good definition, is the gathering and communicating information to others for their good. Gathering and communicating information to others for their good. And it can be done in many ways. People who have this gift of teaching often are asking lots of questions. They're eager to validate what they hear, either eager to um, kind of figure out, is this truth or is this hearsay? People who have this gift are, they're very inquiring. They love to learn. They don't want to know everything about everything, but they want to figure out all that they can about the particular topics of interest. They're driven to understand complex um, concepts and then break them down into easy-to-digest chunks for the rest of us to understand easily. It's an amazing gift to have in the local church. Many people who have this gift, it's kind of with you your whole life. If you had an inquiring mind before you met Jesus, chances are, after you come to faith and you become a Christ follower, you want to understand the Bible a bit more. You want to explain God's truth to other people. And that was certainly the case with me. I became a Christian halfway through my university studies, and I loved going to school. One of those weird nerds. <laughs> I loved learning. I loved university. I have a science qualification. But when I met Jesus, I wanted to learn more about Him and about the Bible and what it meant for my life. And I, it became natural for me to want to tell other people and explain those things to Him as well or to them as well becomes a major kind of driving force. This gift at its very best is used when explaining complex concepts in a simple way until other people have a light bulb moment. Has it ever happened to you when you're talking to someone and suddenly you can see the lights go on, they get that concept, they understand that idea, and you're most fulfilled when you see that happen to other people because of your explanation or your kind of insight that someone else gets it. It's really important to note that this gift does not have to be exercised from a stage or from a platform. Some people say, well, unless I can talk to hundreds of people, my, my gift is not being expressed. I want to suggest the opposite. It's more powerful one-on-one. -on -one. Let me tell you why. If you feel like you should be a preacher, you can preach for 20 minutes, 25 minutes, but it's one-way communication. 80% of you might go home today and disagree with everything I've said. And for the rest of your life, disagree with everything I've said. That's okay. If it's rubbish, please disagree with everything I've said. But when you have a one-on-one -on -one conversation, you can explain something to someone and they say, no, I don't agree with you. Well, then you can say, well, have you thought about it this way? Yeah, but what about, well, have you thought about it this way? And you can have a dialogue, an interaction with them, and actually bring truth across and help them have a light bulb moment that you can't do in a one-way conversation. Does that make sense? So communicating to large crowds is part of this gift, but every one of us is called to teach in some way and I want to say it's most effective one-on-one. -on -one. 
because you can have that dialogue. Holy Spirit can give you an idea of how to come at it at a different angle and see their lights, the light bulb go on, as it were. James chapter 3 also warns us that not many of us should presume to sit in the office of a formal teacher because those who teach are going to be judged more strictly, which is a scripture that should sober everyone wanting to preach. And this gift, as I said, applies to every one of us. Even if you're a six-year-old, you can teach a four-year-old how to tie their shoelaces because if you've never had been able to tie your shoelaces, that's a light bulb moment. That changes your world. You move from Velcro shoes to laces, and the opportunities for the number of shoes you can wear suddenly triple. <laughs> All the women are like, yes. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful for every person who has shared truth and explained and taken the time to explain again when I haven't got it shared their wisdom, shared their insight into my life. My world and my life has been shaped by those with the gift of teaching, pointing me towards Christ and the things of God in his kingdom. So that's teaching. What is the gift of encouragement? It's building others up, essentially, giving courage, encouragement, the middle part of the word is courage. It's giving courage to others, particularly in tough times giving courage to the intimidated and hope to the disheartened. In this world that we live in, where so much is going wrong and so much is broken, let's be honest, forget COVID-19. I saw something on Facebook. Putin has made us forget about COVID-19. <laughs> but forget COVID-19, forget world war in Eastern Europe. Just in our own backyard, in our own country, so much is going wrong. Am I right? Especially in the world we live in, this gift of encouragement is so important. We don't have to look far to see that things are broken. Many people have a, a default tendency towards being negative, towards being cynical. And many of us sadly see the proverbial hole in the donut of what God's done. We see the emptiness, but God, there's nothing there. There's a whole donut that we often just miss because we tend to look at the negative side of things. By contrast, this gift of encouragement comes to us from people who are looking at God, the great encourager, looking at him and what he's doing and bringing their gift and showing us actually God is at work. They look at the positive. They're living encouraged instead of being cynical and they're looking to lift others up, build others up, and fire others up. When I was a, a youngster at primary school, we played rugby against other schools. And I went to a small little farm, kind of uh, small town school in rural KZN. And I can remember distinctly one day running onto the field, I think I was in standard four, playing against a team from Wartburg, which is in the Midlands. And that's a German area, so there was German school. And we walk onto the field with our rugby jerseys, and these guys look like giants, these Germans. And uh, some boys are like, oh my word, they're so big. They're going to crush us. They're going to walk all over us. And normally there's one kid, maybe with the gift of leadership or the gift of encouragement, saying, the bigger they are, the harder they're going to fall. That's the gift of encouragement. It's looking at what 
could be possible. Maybe you've had similar experiences in the sporting arena. But this gift in an unhealthy state can be quite damaging to people. It can diminish, it can, um, what's the word? Diminish <laughs> the trial and struggle that people are going through. It can steamroll over their emotions. If someone's going through a difficult time and someone says, ah, oh, don't worry, it's gonna be fine. That's not really the gift of encouragement. That's not actually really helpful. When it operates the way it's meant to, it draws alongside, it hears people out, it understands what they're going through, and it looks for small ways and big ways to bring courage into that situation, small and big ways to help them be all that God's called them to be despite what they're going through. And I'm sure it's the same for you, but we all need courage. And many people have encouraged me even in the last few weeks, what I've been going through, my family have been going through. But if I look at my journey of following Jesus for the last 18 years, there've been moment after moment after moment where people have spoken to me, prayed for me, messaged me, and courage has flooded into my soul. And it's been so important. Number two, Jesus himself is the supreme teacher and encourager. Jesus is surely the greatest teacher that ever walked the earth. And notice when you think about Jesus, when you reflect on the Gospels and all the times where Jesus is teaching and bringing truth, look at all the different circumstances he does it in. He interacted with people of many different kinds and types, rich and poor, young and old, men and women, different cultures, one-on-one -on -one and into big crowds. Think of the most amazing teaching on salvation, you must be born again to one person, Nicodemus. Amazing. If we are gonna look to use this gift, we should look at Jesus and see how he did things and ask God, Lord, help us to be like Jesus. He could reach any person. He could communicate truth in a way that crossed cultural divides, that crossed gender divides, that crossed age divides, socioeconomic divides, etc. cetera. He, he defied the contraventions of that society. We're in a different society with different society-imposed contraventions. God help us to speak across those in our time. Also notice how Jesus used many different methods in order to communicate his message. When you read through the gospels, um, pick them up. Some people think that the best way to communicate God's love is through the hammer of persuasion and argument, the proverbial Bible bashing. You know that Jesus never used that method. Never once did he use that method to bring across his love. His primary method of teaching was parables, telling a picture story, communicating a complex truth in a simple way using everyday pictures that people were familiar with. This is what Matthew 13 verse 34 says. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. Pretty interesting. How many of you have at some time struggled with the concept of being able to talk to God? 
of communicating with God, someone you can't see, you can't touch. And when, when people talk about hearing God, you're like, how does that work? Anyone struggled with that at some point? The fact that you can have a relationship with an invisible being. So I heard a cool story of, of someone else's life group where they were talking about this very topic one night. And a guy explained it like this. He says, here's a cell phone. And uh, for me this week, I've phoned my sister in Australia, chatting with her. She's on her way out. She's on a plane at the moment. And uh, this person in that life group said, well, when I pick up the phone to phone a friend, either here or someone overseas, I just dial the number and I talk. I don't know how it works. I know that it sends a signal. There's probably a tower and it, it gets there. But I don't wait to understand how the technology works in detail before I use it. I pick up the phone, I, dial, I talk. I don't know how it works, but it, it works. And this guy carried on and says, well, I think it's a bit like our relationship with God. Some of us struggle with how does this work? We might never know the mechanics of how. We just need to open our mouth and talk. Open our ears and listen for God to speak. And there's a complex truth, having a relationship with an invisible, infinite being. I mean, that's, that's not stuff you teach your grade one. Well, it should be. But it's, it can be a complex issue. Explained in a very simple way with a picture we can understand, the parable of the cell phone. And I've never forgot that because it's like, it's so simple. Everyday picture. Jesus, the great encourager. Many of his um, followers at that time got very anxious and got nervous and worried very easily, pretty much like us today. You probably agree. But one time Jesus sends them on the Sea of Galilee and he sends them on a boat that's late afternoon. He goes up the mountain to pray and around the middle of the night, he walks out to them on the water. And you know what happens? You probably know the account. They freak out. Instead of saying, wow, Jesus is walking on water. This is amazing. Quickly, someone take a picture. Put it on Instagram. They didn't do that. They freaked out. Oh, there's a ghost. That was their first instinct. Not that it's Jesus doing the most amazing miracle. They freak out because, you know, well, they get worried. They get anxious. Jesus' words. Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And Jesus didn't say those words just to them. He said those words to us today. Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Soon after that, Simon Peter asks, he said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come because then I can come as well. Jesus says, come, and Simon Peter walks on the water. Everyone else is too nervous. They're in the boat. He walks on water. We know what happens next. He takes his eyes off Christ. He looks at the wind and the waves. Fear enters his heart. He starts to sink, and he cries out. Look at what Jesus says. Matthew 14, 31. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Notice the ways that Jesus encourages us. He speaks his word to us. Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. But there are moments in our life when we feel like we're drowning. And immediately he reaches out his hand, takes hold of ours and says, my boy, my girl, 
I've got you. He pulls us out. Throughout human history, Jesus Christ has been the one who speaks and the one who holds. The one who reaches down from heaven and holds our lives together. And when we have anxiety and fear, he fills us with courage. I read this verse in Psalm 18 this week. And it gave me courage just reading what David the psalmist was writing. Talking about God, it says this. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. Unrelated to the sermon, but God gave me such courage. And my prayer for my dad was, Lord, reach down from on high. Take hold of him. Draw him out of the deep waters. Gave me courage to pray that prayer. We as Christ followers should be the most courage-filled people because Christ pours his courage into us and he invites us to give courage to other people around us. Number three, these gifts are powerful. So go ahead and change the world no matter where they fall on your list. Imagine if through this series we all understood how we can share God's truth in big ways and small ways that other people, because of our interaction, can have light bulb moments, can have watershed moments because we shared something of God's truth with them. Their life, their walk, their faith, their eternity could be different because you and I are sharing God's truth. Imagine we took hold of that. Imagine we grabbed hold of the idea that God's courage can enter us and we can encourage others as they go through difficult times. World-changing gifts. We need to go ahead and use them. I'm going to stick with encouragement for the last bit this morning. There is a tragic account in the book of Numbers, chapter 13 and chapter 14. God's brought the Israelites out of Egypt. Dramatic miracles, Pharaoh, the plagues, the waters of the Red Sea parting. And they're about to... They're at the edge of the promised land, the land that God had said, I'm gonna give you this good land. They're at the Jordan River. And God says to Moses, who's leading the nation at that time, he says, send in 12 spies. Let them go and have a look and explore and see how amazing it is, the land I'm gonna give to you. And so they select one from every tribe and they go in and explore for a few weeks. And they see kind of two different things. They see giants, Challenges, stumbling blocks, difficult things, obstacles to what God wants them to have on the one hand. On the other hand, they see giant grapes, blessing, favor, life, opportunity, the promises of God. They see those kind of two things contrasted. And they come back and they give a report back to the entire nation. And the report back is kind of in two parts. Two of the 12, Joshua and Caleb, say things like this, Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. There's a man who's got courage, who's giving courage to other people. On the other hand, the other 10, it says this, but the men who had gone up with them said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they are spread among, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report 
about the land they'd explored. Isn't it interesting? We can learn a lot about a gift from the way it's used the wrong way. These 10 men spread anti-encouragement, their incorrect use of it. And it seemed like their voice carried the loudest weight. Instead of having courage to do what God had called them to, the whole nation had courage to do the opposite of what he called them to do. And you and I have a choice about what we see and how we see and where we look. And our words can either propel people into the things of God or take them in the other direction. And this ended up becoming a a self-fulfilling anti-encouragement. They wandered around the desert for 40 years, and it turned out the desert was more dangerous than the giants because it killed an entire generation. If only those, all of those 12 together had seen and had courage and had given a positive report, 40 years might not have been wasted. Every single one of us have a set of eyes and a voice And who we see and what we see determines so much. Are we looking at the giants or at the grapes? We can see all the things that are going wrong. We can nitpick and at detail complain about the government and the potholes, dot, dot, dot. Think of whatever your favorite thing is to complain. I've heard other countries say, you South Africans are so good at complaining. Is it your national sport? (laughs) But we can look at anything and we can see the negative. We can see all the things that are going wrong. And we can speak that stuff out and become like those 10 who spread anti-encouragement. Or we could lift our eyes to the one who encourages, Jesus Christ. Yes, there might be giants. So what? If God has, if God has said, that is your promised land doesn't matter what the giants look like. It really doesn't. It matters where you look. Hear his words. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And we need to get that encouragement so that we can shine God's courage out and be like those two who give encouragement to others around us in our world. Very often the Negative words that we speak often become a self-fulfilling prophecy because they affect our thoughts and affect our words and affect our actions. We have to get God's view on any given situation and say, God, what are you saying? Doesn't matter what I'm feeling or what my eyes want to be drawn to in the natural. Because some of us are naturally drawn to the grapes. Others of us are naturally drawn to look at the giants But this gift of encouragement, whether it's our number one or our number seven, let's ask God to put courage inside us. Give us strength so that our lives moving forward can be courageous, ground-taking, breakthrough kind of lives that he's designed us to have. The opposite of that is we shrink back and we live in fear and we live in smallness. And that's, that's the difference. I don't know if you can see why this is such an important gift, not just in the church, but for every single one of our lives because our courage levels drop 
ever had this happen? Monday morning, you wake up, you have an amazing time with God. You read a great scripture. You have a wonderful time of worship in the car. You get to work. You're ready to take on the week. Come on. Two hours later, you get an email and your heart sinks or something goes wrong or like your whole heart just disappears. Courage leaks quite easily, doesn't it? <laughs> we need to get courage from God and we need to get courage from others and we need to give courage to other people. I wanna do something a little bit differently as we're ending this morning. I wanna pray for a couple of different groups of people and this is how I wanna do it. If you have the gift of teaching in your top three, I'd love you just while we close our eyes to stick your hand up. I wanna pray for you that God will blow his life and his fire and his wind on that gift because we need more people teaching, amen? Have you ever spoken to people in the world and, and heard the horrendous truth of what they think is spirituality? Man, we need good teaching. Can we do that? If you feel like, hey, you took that quiz or you feel like, hey, God's called me to teach in some way, just stick your hand up quickly. I wanna pray for you. Awesome, at the back, all over. Father, right now, I wanna pray for myself and for everyone else whose hands are up. You have wired them to understand complex truth and be able to break it down into simple chunks to bring other people into light bulb moments. I pray now, Lord Jesus, your spirit would breathe your life on these gifts. Breathe your life on these people, Lord, that we would have a greater understanding of your word, a greater insight into your truth and, and how it applies, not just intellectual knowledge, not just reciting the scriptures, but knowing how it applies into everyday life. Father, help us to um, spend time searching your words, studying it, going deeper, and give us opportunities, Lord, to share and to teach one-on-one -on -one with people that we would see lots of people have light bulb moments and encounter Christ and come to faith and their lives having watershed moments because of this gift of teaching. Father, would you do it? Many more teachers in the church, Lord. Many more teachers, Lord, excited, coming alive as other people understand you and get to know you. Now I'm gonna uh, ask for some courage in this way. Um, I'm gonna ask Ainsley to come up. Where is Ainsley? Candice is gonna come up. Don't worry, don't stress us. Um, I feel like God wanting to give courage to people today. So irrespective of what your gifting is, if you feel like you need God to speak, you need God to give courage about anything, I would love you just to come down to the front. Candice is gonna play, oh, there's Ainsley, how's it put? Uh, I'm just gonna ask them just to play gently. And so we're gonna have people, before you come up, just think about it. Lord, do I need courage? Yes. You're gonna walk forward. It's gonna take courage to walk forward, hey? Just letting you know now, start building up that courage. <laughs> if you have the gift of prophecy or you have the gift of encouragement, you're gonna be walking on water this morning if you're comfortable. If you have any of those gifts and if you're an elder, <laughs> please come forward now 
stand and face this way. If you feel like God's called you to prophesy, maybe you've never prophesied, but it's on your gift. Today could be that moment where you take a gift step of faith. If, you, if God's given you the gift of encouragement, if you've done that profile, come forward and stand facing. What we're gonna do, those who need courage are gonna come. Those who are gifted to give courage or to prophesy are gonna pray for you and just ask God to give courage or to speak. Is that all right? Okay, so all of those people who are facing here, these are the people who are gonna, through the Holy Spirit this morning, give courage. They're gonna pray for you. If you need courage for anything, for an exam you're writing this week, for a business contract, for a family situation, if you need courage, please stand now, a step of courage. Please come forward and stand with someone here. They can pray with you. Awesome, cool, whole bunch of people. If we're anything like the disciples of Jesus, we need courage often. Please don't feel embarrassed. Don't wonder what other people are thinking. There's a moment for God to touch you this morning and to put courage inside. Don't miss it. For those who are gonna pray, find someone, start praying and trust God to speak. Lord Jesus, we ask now, would you work through your people? Would you work through these gifts that you've given us? And Jesus, by your spirit, would you put courage in? Would you put courage in, Lord Jesus? Holy Spirit, speak. Holy Spirit, touch. As we wait on you, as we listen to heaven. You might not even have someone praying for you. God just might touch you where you are. He might just speak a still small voice. Open your heart, surrender to him.